All right, I think it's it's time to play. Play your passwords right. Oh, and how we find these passwords is via everyone's favourite website, haveibeenpwned.com forward slash passwords. Oh, that's the one. So you can... I'm not sure it's my favourite website. I mean, it's pretty good, but... Oh, my God. It's not my favourite. I mean, it's no one password.com, but it's up there. Troy, if you're looking to record a new advertisement, you can just use that directly. It's not my favourite website, but, you know, it's pretty good. It is. It's pretty good, yeah. It's all right. Hello, welcome. If you're tuning in for the first time, you're listening to the 1Password podcast with some of the folks behind what we hope is your favourite password manager. So, Matt, Rue, it's been a while. It sure has. Been a minute. It's been been a minute, yeah. (laughs) It's been a long old time. It's been a full two weeks since we recorded our last episode, I think. A bit longer than usual. How are you guys doing? As I mentioned, I was on vacation last week and I just re-enabled my email account. So we're going to get a live update. Yikes. I'll let you know when that number jumps in. Currently downloading 700... 89 new messages so there's i got that i got that to look forward to in the days ahead and i think you know you know how i am anna because we we went on a holiday together we did we did yeah which was an experience we had a a wonderful time in the jacuzzi didn't we Matt? um look right what happened was this jacuzzi <laughs> it turns out it wasn't electric all right basically it was a, a paddling pool with a bucket in it and you make a fire in the bucket and then that heats the the pool. Well, let me tell you, I, I made a heck of a fire, right? I used all of my <laughs> early man skills and built this huge roaring fire that went on for three hours. And it changed the temperature of the water from seven degrees to 11. Uh, so we actually never got in. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I burnt f- two full sacks of wood yeah. uh, and, and nothing. No temperature change at all. We pictured this idyllic cabin weekend away a cabin in the forest by the lake in the jacuzzi you know getting our spa on but it, it didn't quite work out that way <laughs> no the the heavens opened several times <laughs> the the skies hemorrhaged rain honestly so a good solid british holiday i think is what you call that yeah definitely <laughs> complete with some seaside chips that is true yes <laughs> so first up in watchtower weekly this week we have a story which i'm sure you've both seen hitting the headlines because the dating app grinder has been in hot water again matt did you want to take us through what's been happening there um Yes. What is Grindr? So Grindr is a dating app which includes gay, bi, trans and queer individuals. So the kind of mere presence of this app on a person's phone can indicate something about their sexuality that they might not want revealed to anyone in the outside world. Yeah, that's very true. That's why I think, you know, privacy problems with with them and and security flaws, etc. is is a lot worse than, than some other apps. Yeah, you would uh, you would think a dating app that knows your you know sexuality and, and HIV status and all of these things would take precautions and, and kind of protect that info. But Grindr is kind of the latest to come under fire for a, a shocking vulnerability that could let anybody uh, who could guess your email address into your user account. Sorry, I'm sorry. Say that one more time. So anyone that could guess your email address could get into your account using this vulnerability. Uh, okay, that's what I thought you said. That's all they need? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's not a lot. Yeah, so I, I think it was essentially around the password reset and it giving you the token at the time, right? So you could just go into the console, grab that token, and then, uh, you know, reset the password like that. Yeah. 
That's not great. That's not how that's supposed to work. Luckily, a, a French security researcher has discovered the vulnerability, uh, perhaps before it could even be exploited, and now it's been fixed. Grinder has kind of ignored security disclosures in the past until, you know, this time security researcher Troy Hunt, friend of the show, <laughs> um, and, and j- journalist Zach Whitaker of, of TechCrunch each confirmed the issue and, and wrote about it. Essentially, if you put an email address into Grindr's password reset form, it would then send you a message back to your web browser with the key that you would need to reset the password buried inside it. You can then theoretically just copy and paste that key into the password reset URL, you know, which, which Troy did, and, and take over an account. Uh, the COO of Grindr, Rick Marini, told TechCrunch, we believe we addressed the issue before it was exploited by any malicious parties. Not sure how they could be sure about that. And yeah, this isn't the first time it's been caught in some sort of data scandal either. Not too long ago, it was caught sharing users' HIV statuses to other companies and also sharing other personal info to third-party advertisers. So it's not great this coming off the back of those sorts of things either. Yeah, the uh, Grindr will both partner with a leading security firm and introduce a bug bounty program because of this. That's kind of a, a nice way of dealing with it, I guess, is that they've actually been quite proactive at the point of finding out about this. Yeah, it's as good an ending to that story as you could hope for. Yeah, definitely. So the next story is, uh, you know, Contact tracing data has been harvested from pubs and restaurants and is being actually sold on. Uh, This is being reported by a couple of places, including Times and and Yahoo. And experts have warned it's it's really a mass violation of of rights after the the customer data has been sold on by pubs and restaurants to third parties. So contract tracing, and this is in the UK, Um, contact tracing data is required by the NHS test and trace system. It's been harvested by by tech companies on behalf of hospitality venues since they opened in June. Although the government states that the information can only be used for its purpose of of test and trace, and it must be kept only for 21 days, uh, some firms are reportedly selling it on. And a, uh, a number of the data collection firms have reportedly created privacy policies which allow them to store data for up to 25 years and share it with third parties and, and all sorts of awful stuff. The University of Oxford professor Carissa Valise tweeted, scandals like these are the product of decades of allowing an unethical business model that depends on the mass violation of rights to thrive unfettered. Um, haven't we had enough? And she added the hashtag privacy is power. I like the word unfettered there. <laughs> oh, anytime you can use unfettered is fantastic. Yes, yeah. The director of uh, a software company Level 5, Gaurav Malhotra, told the Times, if you're suddenly getting a load of texts, your data has probably been sold on from track and trace systems. The so-called quick response QR barcodes have reportedly allowed companies to gain names, addresses, telephone numbers, and email addresses. It's really frustrating because everywhere you go in England at the moment, I'm not so sure about Scotland or Wales, they seem to have their own thing going on, but like you have a QR code at the door and you scan it with your phone, and then that is the kind of handover of data. And, and of course, we then have the contact tracing uh, other part, which is the, the app that was developed by uh, Apple and Google, that, that kind of system. And it feels like the app side of this from Apple and Google has gone really well, very private, you know, no one can tell where you're going or anything like that. And then these QR codes, which are essentially just 
handing over the data from that app, your you know phone number, address, that type of thing, to the company. And it feels like the, the privacy has kind of been implemented on one side and then completely let down on the other. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, if you are really worried about this type of thing, QR codes, you know, they've been widely adopted as much as widely adopted QR codes can be. But they've been widely adopted by places using the the, the official NHS ones. But uh, they do actually have some that are that will offer an alternative pen and paper. And, uh, you know, you can kind of put any details down there that you might want forwarded. And I, I think that's potentially a better route if you're if you're worried about this kind of stuff. Do you have those uh, crazy people that we have in the States that, that like don't like to wear masks and like they they yeah. protest wearing masks? On? Yeah, there was a little there was a little protest here. I did hear that someone got a fire extinguisher out and, and put an end to it. Uh, which I thought was <laughs> quite quite amusing. Fantastic. That's the British public. They were they were being annoying. They were being loud, and someone got a fire extinguisher out and and just covered them in foam, and was like, right, they'll go home now. Get out of here. This it's stories like this that just I think throws fuel on the fire of the arguments from people like that. Really, like, see, like we're just gonna steal all our data. Like this is mm. this, you know we shouldn't be doing this. Like COVID is a hoax. Sort COVID of. is a hoax. This is a violation of my privacy. It's like yeah, all right. Well, you just can you stop? Like okay, in this case you were right, but like also can you just stop? Yeah. Yeah, and in this case it's not it's not the government that is doing this, right? right? I mean probably through ineptitude, but like it's not their intention that this is happening. I think the actual system works quite well. It's just there are some companies out there that are using probably using tech companies. I would argue that they probably don't understand what the end result will be, right? So, you know, they're just using this service that has told them that they can, you know, use track and trace and, and it will help them. And then the the tech company is the one with the privacy policy that extends past what it should I do. I feel as well like we have to kind of consider whether, I don't know, giving up our data here is is worth it in terms of the big picture. Like, is it just collateral damage or do we just have to accept it in certain circumstances because this is bigger than i don't know giving somebody your email address yeah i think email address is the easy one here right because you can you can always like there are definite services that that create multiple email addresses and and you can you know using gmail you can just put a dot in it and you know that way you can kind of see where email is coming from and 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 that type of thing you can see where you get signed up yeah the the, the real bother here is is phone number um and and i haven't found there isn't a solution in my head to a decent mirroring for a phone number yet i know you can do like google voice and, and that type of thing but there's nothing that i would call prevalent at the moment in terms of a service that you can use to kind of mirror your phone number it seems like when someone has your phone number for an advertising purpose they can just send you text messages and text messages um, yeah. with with links and replying stop or opt out <laughs> just never seems to work <laughs> for me. So I, I'd like a I'd like a good way to solve that, and then I'm okay to to give you know these places my data with the understanding that I am in control still because you know I can always turn off that mirrored phone number or I can always have that email address going to a special folder that I never look at or something like that. But there's 
the lack of control is what worries me here. So next up, we have our guest interview for this week. So Rue sat down with Chris Pearson, who is the founder and CEO at Black Cloak, to talk about the huge risks involved for executives and high-profile individuals. I hope this interview can prove really valuable to any CISOs or celebrities we have listening. I'm not sure if we actually do have any celebrities listening to the show, but I like to think we do. <laughs> so here it is. This is Chris Pearson on Random But Memorable. <laughs> Dropping in for a chat today is Chris Pearson. Chris is founder and CEO at Black Cloak, offering security solutions for high net worth individuals and corporate executives. Chris has been on the front lines of cybersecurity for over 20 years and uses his unique background to protect key targets in the public and private sectors from nation state actors and cyber criminals. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, thanks so much, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here. How are things going for you? Uh, things are going well. I mean, things are definitely busy. Uh, 2020 is uh, definitely not a down year and definitely not a down year for both cybersecurity as well as cyber criminals. Uh, so more than enough things to do these days. Yeah, my uh, my faith in humanity has been maintained this year with the number of stories we've done around uh, opportunistic criminals taking advantage of new types of threats in 2020. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know it's like whenever whenever there's a hurricane, there's always somebody to spin up a whole bunch of like X, Y, and Z hurricane relief sites and the cyber criminals go to work mining for uh, fake donations. And uh, the year of the pandemic has been a great time to mine for, well, corporate executives at home because they're locked there. Um, yeah. And are all other cyber criminals because they're they're separated from their their teams. It's definitely a, a fertile hunting grounds. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so for those that might not know, can you give our listeners some background on Black Cloak? Uh, who are you and, and what you do? Yeah, so uh, Black Cloak is a company that provides concierge cybersecurity and privacy protection to corporate executives in their personal lives, not in the company walls, and high net worth, high profile individuals. We literally have the platform out there that combines really four different things. Their privacy, their devices, their home, and kind of their peace of mind, all those items that might need to be done manually types of thing. We combine that into our protection suite and handle that for them and with them uh, in their personal lives. So like if you're a CISO, you already have your company taken care of. You have the four walls taken care of. What you have is a pain point. You have a pain point as it relates to cybersecurity in the personal lives of the executives, because what happens there in their personal lives, the family, the kids, the home network, or the personal passwords or reuse, it comes back into effect and can affect the company. So concierge cybersecurity and privacy protection platform for those individuals. That's really cool. Like digital bodyguards almost. It's literally just that. We always call it, you know, hey, protect your digital life, right? That's yeah. kind of the, the, the company tagline, uh, protect your digital life. And it really is that. We protect all those aspects of your personal life for you, for your corporation, for the CISOs that are there on the other end. That's really cool. So why high net worth, high profile individuals and executives, do they have different concerns than the rest of us? Yeah, I mean, they are very, very public. Um, they're very notable. They're out there in the limelight. Many of these people are the company, right? So like Elon Musk is Tesla. Tesla is Elon Musk. Uh, Jeff Bezos is Amazon. Amazon is Jeff Bezos. There are a number of people that that applies to. But in essence, the top 10 executives, 20 executives for every single company, I mean, obviously larger when you talk about you know, Fortune 100s, but every single one of those people about the executive team, they, it's impossible to extricate their personal life from their work life. It just is one and the same. They're always on, right? They're always on, and so they're rife targets. As it relates to high-profile celebrity, sports star, rock star, politician, the fact of the matter is, is that they have a greater risk. So do those corporate executives. They are not just targeted by 
run-of-the-mill cyber criminals, they are targeted in their personal lives by nation states. We've seen a few different things of that happening, especially in the political world and even in the, well, one of the people I mentioned earlier, right? Targeted by a nation state. So they are targeted by sophisticated cyber criminal organizations, nation states, folks that have the tools and the means by which to get past your consumer grade types of protection. That's just simply not enough for them. You and I might have a simple alarm system, but you know, celebrities have the gates and the cameras and the roving dogs and stuff like that. It's just different. It is different for them based off the high profile nature of who they are and based off of the attack surface and the threat surface back to them. And so very, very, very different population, a high touch population, and definitely a population that needs this done through a platform in a concierge fashion. Yeah, for sure. Do you find that celebrities and, and executives and other high profile people are aware, are they proactively aware of the need for your types of services? Or do you find that a lot of your clients are coming to you reactively? It really falls under, for executives, it falls under that kind of remit of executive protection. CISOs have been burdened this. I was a former chief information security officer. I was the chief privacy officer for the third largest bank in the world. The number of knocks on the doors, hey, Chris, after the board meeting, could you go ahead and help me out types of things? I mean, CISOs are constantly burdened with the, hey, can you help me at home? Can you help my husband, my wife, my kids? Can you help do something there? And so they're aware that these gaps exist. They're aware that there are issues and things happening there, but quite honestly, they're, they're stuck. And the CISOs are stuck too, because like that's not a good role for them to play. It's not a good environment if they want longevity in their job. Not a good environment for them to get into in terms of in-between folks in their personal lives. And quite simply, for privacy and legal reasons, they can't do it. They can't perform those services. Similarly, in the high net worth space, we also find that it's cathartically they want to do some different things. They know they need something better and different, but they don't know what to do. And that's really where they get stuck. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They know that what they're currently doing is insufficient or failing, but they really need help. And they have different demands on them than most people. Once you get these people in the door, do you find and you start talking to them that they understand sort of the scope of risk that they're at in their position? There's always a continual education here. I mean, for most people, they think about a risk of you know identity theft. It's one part, but it's such a small part. For these folks, right, the biggest risks that they have are probably, number one, a privacy risk. All their information is out there. How do they know what is out there? How do they remove it from like data broker websites? How do they know what their passwords are that are out there that are compromised so they can make changes in their digital life? How are they doing in terms of pure hacking risks, pure cybersecurity risks? 27% of Black Clo customers, and we provide services, right, our platform to the Fortune 1000, 27%, so three out of 10. If you look at most of those companies, they have executive teams of about 20 people. So six out of 20, three out of 10 of those persons, right, they already have malware on their computer when we are there. They didn't know it, but they already have malware on their computer. So it's one of those things where the privacy risk, the cybersecurity risk, the reputational risk. I think folks are more getting this now. Yeah, for sure. You touched on this a little bit before in terms of, you know, people coming to the CISO and saying, hey, can you help me out at home? Uh, it feels very similar to like the, hey, you're a computer guy. Can you help me set up my Wi-Fi? <laughs> so what do you find is the relationship between companies and their executives? Like, are they, are they advocating for this type of service? Are they out there? Are they proactively reaching out? So in terms of, you know, CISOs, we see them, right, doing a great job in terms of the four walls of the company. And even beyond that, right, they sometimes have an MDM program, mobile device management program, 
VPN in terms of executives working remotely. Where they're really hamstrung is providing that protection in the other 50% of their day. They constantly get the barrage of inquiries coming in that kind of fall under the gambit of executive protection. So CISOs want to offload that. They don't want to have that responsibility from a privacy perspective, from a legal perspective, from a workforce perspective. It's too much, right? They're dealing with too many divergent homes, devices, how to keep track of it all. Not a good role for them to, to play, but they still own the risks. Password reuse in the personal life of the CEO can impact the company. A personal device, the tablet of the CEO that's been compromised or, or a personal computer that's been compromised, right? If they bring it into work, can go ahead and compromise and have impacts on the network. So there are multiple different things there that CISOs are looking for in terms of solving their pain, solving the other 50% of the day, solving this risk vector for their executives. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that. One of the questions that I always love to ask whenever we do interviews like this are the what are the things that you've seen that shock you? Like what what are the what are the stories that you have that you could share with us of just like, "Oh my gosh, you would you wouldn't even believe what I've seen." We've seen it all. Um, but we still get shocked all the time. You know, one of the biggest areas that we are constantly amazed at is passwords. We do unique research on our client population in the aggregate, something like 68% right? We're onboarding Fortune 1000 clients. So 68% of them, they understand what not to do because they're trained at work. But in their personal lives, 68% of them are using sticky notes, documents, you know, mm -hmm. so just word passwords.txt is a fan favorite, or, you know, being smart and trying to hide it on their uh, iPhone in contacts and putting in a password contact in there and listing out their passwords there. We are constantly amazed at where people think it's safe to store their passwords many which cases are their corporate passwords, corporate credentials. We're shocked because we deliver about 69% of our clients, we deliver them their passwords in clear text, what we found on the dark web, deep web to them at the point of onboarding and then in real time thereafter. It's this problem area where uh, they're out there, you can see they're out there. The reaction is you know, usually a, oh darn. Yeah. And we've literally had clients that have been like, hey, I gotta go change my company passcode because all I did was add a one and an exclamation mark on the end of that. And I work for one of the nation's largest banks. These are areas where we just see it day in and day out time and time again. Another one is right, folks that are lacking any type of protection whatsoever on their different mobile devices, 87%, nine out of 10 folks no security whatsoever on their mobile devices. Holy crow, come on. <laughs> well, do you run into something even easier, right? On their physical computers, that one might be harder. Maybe it's harder, let's give it to them. Mm -hmm. On their physical devices where there's even every you know type of free antivirus product out there, which not really the best to fight off the threats that corporate executives have, 59% of our clients have no antivirus whatsoever on their devices. Now, uh, corporate executives are heavy Mac population, uh, maybe why Mac is gaining so much steam in terms of cyber criminals uh, really focusing on it now. But 59%. I mean, Michael, these are folks that get it. They understand. Yep. They're approving 500 million, 700 million, 900 million dollar cybersecurity budgets annually. Right. Large organizations. They know how much it costs. And yet when they walk out the door, it's like, um, you remember when you're young and, and it's like your mom's like, hey, you know, if you eat like that here, when we go out in a public, you're going to eat like that too. Right, use your fork the right way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you remember, right? Yeah. I remember. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's a separate. That's a separate podcast. But uh, take the reverse. The good behavior that they're doing at work—not opening the emails, forwarding things, making sure they do everything, raising their hand when they see something that is off. 
right? It doesn't translate back to home. It hasn't translated back to their personal lives. Quite honestly, they're so busy, but have you ever heard of a corporate executive reusing their password from home as in the company? Yeah. Have you ever heard of a corporate executive sneaker netting or somehow forwarding right their, their email from work to their personal Gmail and using that and going back and forth or taking things? I mean, they're always on. They're never resting. They're always working. You know, so yeah, it's a big problem. Yeah. So what have, what have you found are the are the main reasons for poor security habits? I have to imagine these are conversations that you're having with these people. Like, is it lack of awareness? Are they concerned about wasting their time or productivity? What's what are you hearing? Yeah, I think I think that it's a few things. Number one, corporate executives, especially, they see the separation between home and work. And they're not really sure how to bridge that gap. CISOs, right, have been having problems bridging that gap as well, you know, in terms of solving for that. But I think a lot comes there in terms of friction. How do I do it? What do I need to do? Is this 10 different items, 20 different items? You know, it's like you always see the cybersecurity list, the top 20 things that you need to do. It's just not going to happen. Nobody's going to waste an entire Saturday becoming a computer scientist, computer engineer, and programmer to do those 20 things. Just not going to happen. Yeah. So now for... What I've, I've actually I've been waiting to ask this question the entire time. How does Black Cloak solve these problems? What does your service package look like for these people? Is it customized software? Is it customized hardware? Is it education? Is it all of it? What do we have? Here? First and foremost, it is solving things in a friction-free manner. So literally doing it with you and for you. So we involve our clients in the solution, grabbing together the best of the best creating a entirely separate new from the ground up protection platform. So, you know, Black Cloak, when we're protecting your privacy, we're removing data broker information that's out there. You don't have to do it, we do it for you. We're giving you your passwords, you don't have to guess. We tell you what is out there, what is available, so you can change it. Implementing encrypted password vaults, <laughs> right? Sometimes it is too hard, too much friction, uh, people just don't get it. The only way to actually right, show people and tell people is to do it with them and for them. So actually put in entries onto their password vault, actually put it onto all their devices, make it happen. Next part is your devices. So literally a single point and click ability to implement on your cell phone, your tablet, and your computer an interconnected system, an interconnected platform that takes everything that we're doing and displays it to you and for you and also serves to protect you, the Black Cloak applications. Next, your home. Scanning and pen testing your home each and every week, scanning for botnets, and once again, integrating it into the system so it's displayed to you, for you, and you're part of the solution. And then, right, your peace of mind. This is where the concierge comes in. Doesn't matter what it is, privacy and cybersecurity related, identity theft, a data breach letter, dual factor authentication, things where other folks have like run away from. Because we know how to do it, because we have a system, because we have a platform that is ours, we're able to control how that happens, which means that we are able to do it in an area that does not introduce new friction. Privacy is in our core. Several of our team members are actually certified information privacy professionals through IAPP. We don't do IDS. We don't do IPS. We don't do proxies or VPN in terms of us sucking your data, right? We're not an app that is going to masquerade as a VPN and suck in your data into our information center and review or have the ability to review all your websites and URLs. We don't want that. We can't see it. It's just as we don't collect it. We can't see it. We don't have to protect it. And we definitely don't implement hardware that's in line in your home. So but that's how we really do the magic. So I guess I could have like ended the five minute speech by just saying we're concierge, we're automated, 
and it's through a unique proprietary platform. <laughs> no, I, I love I love the doubling down on privacy. I mean, that rings tr- very true with us. We don't know people's passwords. We don't know the websites they visit. You know, these are these are things that like we just don't have access to. So let's bring it home here. Do you have any general security tips for folks? Anything that like, look, you've got a few minutes in an elevator with someone and you're just like, you want to tell them something. What what do you what do you tell this person? <laughs> I guess it depends on who you're with. If you're if you're with the you know Brad Pitt high net worth individual, the high profile individual type of thing, you know it might be different advice and guidance. It might be a hey, you know dual factor on all your social media accounts. That's going right. to be his huge exposure point. If we're with yep. just some high net worth individual, their homes are littered with home automation, kind of like a Crestron or Savant systems, right? Yeah. Their home automation. They walk in, they press the hey, it's Friday night. You know, they push the Friday night button and the disco ball drops and the wine comes in and the lights. You have the you have some of the same stuff at your place. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> right, these are these these systems are two hundred fifty thousand dollars to a million dollar systems at each house. So it might be a hey, it was installed and it works and two thumbs up from the installers. But is it secure? Right. More likely than not, 20 percent of the time. The answer for our clients is no, it isn't. So that'd be a different conversation to them for the corporate executive. The big thing there would be. Look, you're busy, but there is no difference between your work life and your home life. And guess what else? It's not just about you. It's definitely about the company because you are who you are and that gives value back into the company. But it's also about your spouse, significant other, husband, wife, kids, all the rest. But yet every single night, every single weekend, right, they go home to a dirty network, um, right? They go home to a network that they don't know. For those executives, for those 20, 30, 40, 50 executives at the leading companies, the home is the new battleground. We've been saying that for three years. The home is the new battleground. It is still the new battleground. It's an emerging battleground. It is a morphing battleground. That is the best place to target the executive. Why go ahead and get past $850 million worth of cybersecurity and IT? Why, Why fight that? But Imagine if you could go and target the $100 home router, or sometimes it might be, okay, they have something cool and sexy at home, but why not? Why go and target the corporate environment that's being watched 24-7? Go target the home. Go target the personal emails. There's no difference there. And so for that group of people, the, the corporate executives, it's really understand your home, understand your network, understand the penetration points, understand who you have on that network. So the answer depends on who you are in terms of what do you say, what do you tell. It isn't just a go ahead and encrypt all your devices and and you know kind of the machine robot language that we say here, the top 10, five things to do. Yeah. It's very, very different world in terms of who's attacking them in their personal lives than perhaps who's attacking uh, Brad Pitt. Yeah, for sure. All right, Chris, anything else you'd like to add? Any place people should go to uh, to check out your offerings online or, or anything else you'd like to direct people's attention to? Well, I mean, look, if you're a high net worth individual, high profile individual, and you are listening to this podcast, I mean, hey, come come over to blackcloak.io, B-L-A-C-K-C-L-O-A-K.io. Come on in, take a look at our services, take a look at what we're doing, take a look at the platform. If you are a CISO that is, you know, really needs help trying to solve for this in your corporate uh, life, once again, come on into blackcloak.io and and we'll make sure we help you help your executives and help your company. Absolutely happy to do that. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chris. This was a lot of fun. Hey, thanks so much, Michael. I appreciate it. All right. I think it's it's time to play. Play your passers, right? The Sleepy Roo edition.
everyone's favorite game, Sleepy Roo, play your password, sorry. Oh man, this is going to be bad. So this week we're going to go pet themed. Yay, let's do it. Because pet names are the most common passwords and as many as one in six people use their pet's name to protect their accounts. So it seemed an obvious choice for this week's play your passwords, right? Okay, I'm hoping we go like proper weird dog names here. So Anna's going to read a word. She's going to tell us how many times that word has been breached. She will then read another word, and we have to guess, has that word been breached more times or less times than the previous word? And then we just keep going. And we keep score. I'm going to keep score right in the document. <laughs> I, I think this time we have, you know, three lives, and if you drop three <laughs> lives, then then you're out. No, we're not doing that. Oh, and how we find these passwords is via everyone's favorite website, haveibeenpwned.com forward slash passwords. Oh, that's the one. So you can... I'm not sure it's my favorite website. I mean, it's pretty good, but... Oh, my God. It's not my favorite. I mean, it's no one password.com, but it's up it's there. Good. Troy, if you're looking to record a new advertisement, you can just use that directly. It's not my favorite <laughs> website, but, you know, it's pretty good. It is. It's pretty good, yeah. It's all right. (laughs) (laughs) So our first password, guys, is my dog spot with 393. All right, so that's the initial bar. My dog spot. Now, Anna, when you give us the next one, don't give us the number. (laughs) Oh, that's the game. Okay, so you have to guess. Oh, okay. Do you remember remember Spot the Dog? Yeah. Spot's first walk. That was my my favorite book. Great. What's the next password? <laughs> the next one we have is Felix the cat. Uh, less. Uh, more. Oh, quick in there. So you are correct, Matt. It is higher with 2,122 for Felix the cat. Get out of here. By a long way. One point. Oh, I see you're doing the points. Look at that. Next, we have a popular cat or dog's name, Fluffy. What do we think? Higher or lower than 2,122? Every time I hear uh, our CEO talk about the password problem, uh, Fluffy Cat comes up nearly every time <laughs> as like a you know as me- like a generic yeah. password. Yeah. Do you know how many times yeah. I've heard that it's you know that th- th- we have a pluff- Fluffy Cat problem? Oh, fluffy Cat. It's and it's going to skew us and screw us on our answer. I, here, I think so. I definitely think this is higher, but it's probably yeah, me too. not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going higher. Yeah. So higher, I also say. Yeah. So higher. Well, you are both correct. You can sleep safe with eighty-one thousand four hundred and twenty. Fantastic. So that was a lot higher. If you're listening, Shiner, there are actually people out there with Fluffy Cat as a password. Exactly, eighty-one thousand of them. Shiner doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> Shiner does not listen to the show. He, does he has not. far more important things to do. But Dave, Dave. I want you to tell Shiner that we mentioned Fluffy yes. Cat on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, so the next one we have another popular name, Whiskers. Do we think that's higher or lower than Fluffy? Not only is that a cat name, that's a that's a, a cat food brand. That's higher. Yeah. Why would you name your cat after a cat food brand? Easy to remember. I mean, maybe. Because Whiskers are, you know, an iconic part of a cat. I don't know if iconic was the right word. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going... I'm going lower. Whiskers. It's hard to spell. Oh, it's, it's my chance to take the so lead. So you're going split. I can say that, Matt, you were correct. It is 20,951 for Whiskers. Oh, I'm never coming back. Not from this deficit. Oh, dear. Yeah, three to one. Is Fenton in here? The best, the best do- uh, p- pet No, name. Fenton is not in here. <laughs> it's the best pet name. Fenton! Fenton! <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> 
Right. We're going a different pet this time. Hammy the hamster. I think that's <laughs> lower or higher. It's higher. That one's a good And whiskers. That's higher than whiskers. Yeah. Uh, whiskers, of course, also a good name for a hamster. Is this the point in the game where you're like, how have we come to this on the podcast? Talking about Hammy the hamster. <laughs> no, I'm going lower. It's, it's long. Hammy the hamster. Definitely lower, lower, lower. Higher. It's higher. Oh, oh dear. Rue, I'm sorry, you are incorrect. <laughs> it is lower at only 18. Yeah, 18 people. Look at that. Well, at some point, higher is going to be the right answer, so I'm going to stick with this. <laughs> so, next password we have meow meow. <laughs> Meow Higher. meow. <laughs> I'm just. I got. I got to be right at some point. You said these are pets' names. They're pet related. Meow, meow. Pet themed. It's definitely higher. You're both going higher. You are correct. Eighteen thousand four hundred and fifty-four. Oh, that's so many. Now we find out if dogs or cats are more popular here. With woof woof. <laughs> What do you think? I, I love the research that you put into this show this time, Anna. <laughs> Great job. I mean, there's only so many pet themes you can think of off the top of your head. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, woof, woof. Higher, I'm going. Um, <laughs> no, I'm going lower. Oh, we've got a yawny room. Oh, sorry. Are we keeping you up? Sorry. So, oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going lower. It is uh, 8 a.m. ruse time. Just... Uh, Bear in mind, people. Okay, so Rue is correct. It is lower. Only 9,031. So that's All right. pretty much half of Meow Meow. Had to happen eventually. So next, we have the second most popular cat and dog name in the US, which is Max123. I've never heard a dog named Max123. <laughs> no, that seems a bit too human. It's like naming a dog Gregory or something. It's just wrong, isn't it? Well, I checked out a load of lists on the internet, guys, and that's what it gave me. So I like the one, two, three that we've added here as well. It gets gets you around. Yeah, you've got to you've got to bulk it up a little bit. You see, you need to meet the six the, the minimum requirements of six characters. Got to hit that six character limit. Yeah, right, I'm going higher. I am going higher. You are both correct. It is forty five thousand seven hundred and twenty <sighs> people with the password max one two three. I mean, this game is fun and all, but the human cost of this is quite depressing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so next we have a popular name for cats and dogs in the UK, Charlie, but Charlie won. Another one. Lower. Who calls their dog Charles? Nope, not Charles. Not Charles. Charlie. Yeah, well, you know. Charlie. Charlie won. Okay, I'm going, I'm going lower, I think. Yeah, same. You are both incorrect. <clears throat> it is... 214,697. So, final password here, guys. We have the first most popular cat and dog name in the US, which is Bella. Bella one. Not even going to get into that. That's definitely a small dog, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, you're not going to name your pit bull Bella. (laughs) No, no. That's higher, by the way. Uh, That's lower. That's higher than Charlie one. So, Charlie one was 214,697. And... Bella oh. is lower at 73,265. Matt with the runaway win. Woohoo! I feel like we need some clapping or something more. Yay, yay. Thanks. I'm going to turn my points into prizes. So how many points did I get? Does it? Does that translate into minutes that I can now not work today? Yes. One, two, yes. three, four, five, six, seven, 
an eight-minute break. Uh, Matt, you can deduct that from the 35 minutes of work that you've already not done while we've been recording this podcast, so it's fine. <laughs> this is absolutely work. It might be 8 a.m. for you, but it's right in the middle of my day. Yeah, it doesn't make it... Never mind. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. It doesn't make it work. Uh, well, listen, I have to go take my son to school, so I'm going to... Listen, this is a record, record time. It was. I love I it. I think we just put this out. We don't need to edit it or anything. We really cut the cut the wheat from the chaff on this one. Yeah. It's great. Anna shouldn't have a lot of stuff to do. Snip, snip, snip. Yep. Uh, mm. All right. So... <laughs> <laughs> you go take your son to school, Rue. Yeah. Lo- love you both. Love you guys. Love you both. Bye-bye.